The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast with deeper dives and cooler takes. I'm E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst, and Jeff Burkus is on assignment this week. So luckily in his place, I am joined by Windy City Gridiron's large man in charge, editor-in-chief Lester Wiltfong Jr. Lester, how are you tonight? Doing good, E.J. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for stepping in in Jeff's stead sure. as he is out Anytime. on the road. Oh, happy to have you. This is good times. Well, it's good times to have you on the podcast. It is uh, the best of times and that you're on the podcast and the worst of times that we have to talk about the Saints game, recap that a little bit, um, talk about where that leaves the Bears, and then we'll get into the Chargers preview, which we hope is a little bit more hopeful. But as you know, this is Bears over beers. So uh, last time we had you on the show for the preview show, you didn't bring a beer. I know. I know. So what'd you bring this time? Um, you know what? The last time I couldn't find my famous Zima, but this time I'm actually on the the stinking keto diet. And of course, if you know that, you know, there's too many carbs in beer, so I've got to be good during the week. If it was a weekend, I would have uh, cracked the beer just for the honor of the show. But since it's during the week, I've got to be, uh, be, be safe and be smart and, and stay away from the carbs. So I have a, a nice Lipton iced tea again today. Uh, well, at least you got a good reason. Good on you for your discipline and staying on the keto. Um, I know all about there being too many carbs in beer. That's the voice of experience speaking. But uh, I will hold up this end of the ship for the podcast and actually was out last night um, at a bottle shop and saw something I hadn't seen before. Um, and it actually reminded me of you and I's history. So I picked it up knowing you're going to be on the podcast. Uh, this is the East Side Beer Week from 2019, and this is the East Side in Seattle, East Side of the Lakes. It's the limited edition East Side Story Collaboration Ale. And uh, the reason they call it collaboration is because it's brewed by Black Raven Brewing, but uh, with help from uh, Imperial Organic Yeast, Skagit Valley Malting, um, Valley House, Dubtown, Flycaster, and a bunch of other uh, East Side brewers and malters. So they all got together and they put together this thing that they say is a delightful blend of styles between a pale and an IPA, not a traditional hazy, but also not filtered, um, featuring 
all kinds of good stuff from all those brewers. But mostly it was the collaboration ale that got me because uh, the whole reason I'm in this podcasting gig in the first place is because you had me on your podcast, T-Formation Conversation, way back in the day. And, that was uh, fun. Yeah, it was great and got me into this uh, medium and style and wouldn't be here without you. So I will crack this one open and open in honor of us doing this for a little while now. Nice. Yeah, I hope it tastes good uh, because, you know, the name's great and all, but beer beer still better tastes good when you drink it. Yeah. Ooh, very nice on first sip. So we'll get on to the... We'll get on to the recap of that at the end of the show, but I think that'll be a positive, positive report okay. card. But we got to talk about the Saints. So yeah. the Saints come into Soldier Field really shorthanded, minus their all-world quarterback, uh, their uh, probably top five running back, and they beat the pants off the Bears, thirty-six to twenty-five. It was never really that close. The Bears scored basically no meaningful points on offense when the game was still in reach, and the defense was unable to hold up uh, to Teddy Bridgewater piloting the offense. This is his fourth or fifth week doing that. He's getting really used to it. And the other thing the defense didn't have an answer for was Latavius Murray's hard-charging running style now. And looking at the the game before the Bears game, I had noticed that Latavius Murray's kind of a forgotten guy, and he was he was running really hard. He had a lot of effort, and he had a lot of effectiveness too, and the Bears just didn't seem to have an answer for knocking him down um they only managed four first downs this is the bears now only managed four first down in the first three quarters they rushed the ball a franchise record low seven total times they dropped to three and three on the year and they look to be reeling in multiple areas what do you see or what did you see during the saints game and what do you see going forward for this team I mean, I look at a team that is, at this point, I hate to say it, but the team looks broken. I mean, the offense, it's struggled all year long. And uh, the quarterback, Mr. Bissius, can't get it done right now for whatever reason. You know, he's struggling making simple reads. You know, uh, I, I was working on, on sack watch tonight, and the first sack, you know, that they gave up, I'm watching it. It's an RPO, and he just makes a bad read, and he just eats a sack. It's just he's making mistakes that he hasn't made his whole career. Something has changed. Something has happened. I don't know if there's too much on his plate. I don't know what it is because he does not look like the same quarterback he looked like in the second half of last year. That's a problem. And then by the offense doing absolutely nothing, you know, the defense, there's too much for them to do. You can't expect the defense to win every game on their own. And and the way the Bears offense is going, that's what it looks like now. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, you are, you know, you are have, having to think back to the Tressman years about how the, the team – um, from a psychological standpoint, started falling apart. I hope it doesn't get to that point with these Bears because they, they really changed the culture with what they have going on here. But if everyone's not pulling their weight, someone's going to get pissed off at some point, and I think it's going to come to that. Yeah, they definitely look out of balance. I have to agree with you there. Um, it's pretty obvious to anybody watching. And they were holding it up for the first three or four games. The defense, uh, they were playing extremely well at a historically great level. And the offense was not really getting by um, until the Washington game, and the defense was just making the difference. And like you said, that's not gonna, that's not sustainable. Um, let's talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, one of the keys we identified on this podcast in our Saints preview show was that the Bears basically had to round back into form with their pass rush. They had dropped off against the chart or not against the Chargers, against the Raiders in London. They had not looked like a team. Uh, that was together on defense, certainly not playing at the level it had been before. We really thought that they had to pressure Teddy Bridgewater into some bad decisions, and 
I don't know about you, but when I watch the game on Sunday, the Bears pass rush remind me a lot of Vic Fangio's pass rush pre uh, Mac. <laughs> before they had exactly before they had Mac, there were all these pass rushes where the the opposing passer would drop back. He'd stand there for four or five seconds, survey a target. Coverage would eventually break down, and he'd throw the ball, and all the Bears fans would throw their hands up in the air. It looked a lot like that um, to me versus New Orleans. Does this unit miss Akeem Hicks more than we thought they might? You know, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, a big part of the pass rush, obviously, when it gets stuff off the edge, but you got to get the push up the middle. If you're not getting a, a push up the middle, then the quarterback can just stand in the pocket. You know, if the push is there up the middle, he can't step up. I think Akeem Hicks, I think it was uh, our colleague uh, Robert Schmitz wrote an article a while back, but actually might have been a film study, where he, he thought that Akeem Hicks may have been the most important member of that defense. And maybe that's the case. I mean, the Bears got by without him in the Viking game, but that could have been just because they were at home. They had the 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 the, uh, the, the big the big adrenaline pumping in that game. A lot of guys made some big plays, and they caught the Vikings at a good time. But but here we're seeing again here with you know against the Raiders, they got they got torched. Against the Saints, they got torched. They can't get a good pass rush. They can't stop the run. Akeem Hicks is uh, you know they need him because there is no one else in that defense can can do what Akeem Hicks can do. He can he can play one gap, he can play two gap, he can go all up and down that defensive line, and wherever he is, he does command that double team. Yeah, he's a blue chip player, and I think Chicago's really feeling that loss. There's a lot of people that looked good rotating in around him uh, or yeah. for him for a couple of plays, but not trying to be him for an entire game because they just can't do that. Nobody else can. He's he's a rare talent. So if the straw that stirs their drink is missing, uh, the defense ends up being on the field more often. And then, of course, the offense doesn't come on and give them much of a break and they go right back out there and, you know, predictable results by the end of the game. They look tired, especially against a hard charging runner like Latavius Murray. He's getting three or four extra yards on every carry. And if you can't stop the run, well, you know, the old football adages about that. So the Bears got a predictable result out of that. Is there anybody on offense? We'll talk about Mitch in a second, but is there anybody on this offense playing well besides Allen Robinson? Because Allen Robinson looks like an absolute <laughs> stud. We predicted that before the season. He's catching just about everything. He did drop one on Sunday, and I was wildly surprised. I think I might have even yeah. gasped out loud at the bar because I was like, that was 12. He dropped it. He hasn't. doesn't feel like he's dropped one all season. He's been open consistently, so we don't need to talk too much about Allen Robinson. He's playing at a really high level. But is there anybody else that's really pulling their weight on the offense right now that you see? You know, it's really sad because going into this season, you know, the way the Bears compiled receivers in the offseason, you got Robinson, you have Miller in the second year, you have Wims who had a great camp, you know, you have, have Gabriel, you have uh, uh, Cordell Patterson who was supposed to fill a nice little uh, niche role here as a, as a fourth or fifth receiver. You know, people were talking about this as probably one of the best receiving corps in the league as, as a total unit, and, and we're just not seeing that. I mean, you see Robinson is great. I mean, his, his route running is great. He has good size. He has good speed. He looks like the guy that was a Pro Bowl receiver in Jacksonville. But <laughs> look at the rest of the, the rest of the receiving corps. You know, the the coach and the quarterback called out Anthony Miller again. I think this may be the third time they've called him out at a post game presser about his route running. You know, I'm not sure if that's the best way to get to through to a young quarterback. I'm not sure if you know throwing him under the bus like that is the best way to go, um, or or maybe that's just his personality that he's the kind of guy that needs a kick in the butt like that. But I'm not sure. He's not playing up to, up to par. 
Uh, we saw uh, 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 Taylor Gabriel a few weeks ago against, the, against Washington had a nice game, but for whatever reason, it all boils back down to the quarterback. He, he's not hitting guys. I mean, there are some guys open. I mean, I do I do watch the All-22. I do see plays that he could be making, but he's really focusing on number 12. And if that's all you're going to do is focus on one guy, it's hard for anyone else to get involved. And then you got to look at the tight ends. You know, Trey Burton says he's still hurt. He doesn't feel all the way back yet. Adam Shaheen has been a nothing so far. You know, I just don't understand what the Bears are doing offensively. There's no identity. Uh, the offensive line is playing poorly. And it's just um, I'm looking for another bright spot, and I can't find one on the entire offense. Yeah, it does look like the wheels are falling off all four corners of the truck at the same time, and that's not a good place to be in. Uh, and it does all boil back down to the quarterback. Um and let's just talk about Trubisky because this one's this one's going to sting a little bit personally. Um, yes. Sunday yes. Sunday felt like a turning point, so I'm going to ask you first, and then I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I think after that. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit deep here. We don't we don't do hot takes on the podcast, but we do do takes um, the well informed ones, the ones that take a while to bake. And this one's taken about three years to bake, and and I've got one, but I want to hear yours first. So. What's the current state of Trubisky, and can they go anywhere from here with him starting? You know, the last few weeks, the way I looked at Trubisky, especially after the game in Washington, I thought he's a guy that was going to be – he was going to eventually find his rhythm. You know, I figured – I looked at – again, I looked at last year's body of work, started off slow, started off playing really skittish, and as the year went on, he got better. He had the injury, he came back rusty, and then he finished the year pretty strong. He made the Pro Bowl. He was a like a second alternate. You know, he wasn't. He was a guy that, as Bears fans, gave us all a lot of hope. You know, I don't think anyone expected him to ever come out and be that elite guy. But I think we thought that we saw Trubisky as a guy that's going to come out and play good football this year. You know, version two hundred two of the offense, second year in the system. You know, I did a whole article where I looked at guys that have played in, in a West Coast style system. Um, from from Andy Reid, you know that coaching tree, and pretty much every guy has seen a year two bump. Every guy, I'm talking about guys like like Tavarius Jackson, uh, Michael Vick, you know guys that you wouldn't think of, you know that would get the kind of bump. They all got a bump. Trubisky has no bump. He has somehow, I don't know how it's happening. He's regressed. Now early on, you could say the offensive line wasn't blocking the best for him, but in this last game. Uh, I thought the offensive line did pretty good. They had a, one of their better pass blocking games. There was a, a, a two sacks allowed. One was on Trubisky. Uh, one was a, 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 a mistake up front from uh, picking up a stunt. But overall, he had decent time to throw. He's just missing his guys. You know, I did my ten thoughts article that came out this morning, and uh, I usually don't get too deep into anything as far as Bears. I usually save like just a, a quick little snippet for that. But I, I kicked it off talking about Trubisky and about head coach Matt Nagy and. I hate to say it, but I think that they are going to be, as far as the quarterback goes, I just can't see a future for him in Chicago anymore. He's not progressing. Yes, there's some time here. They can get things turned around, but I just don't see it happening for Trubisky. He does not look at the same guy for whatever reason. I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's a fear of injury. Whatever it is, he does not seem like the same guy from a year ago. And at some point, the trade deadline is coming up, uh, I think, after the Charger game. So we'll see what happens this week. I think if Trubisky lays another egg like he did the last week, the Bears are going to be forced to go out and find a guy. 
whether that's that's dumping up a, a bunch of draft picks again. I don't think though they have them, but you know you can flip, uh, you know maybe something in the future for a guy like Nick Foles if that's who you think you can get this team going because the defense is ready made. You know you have weapons on offense, and you're not able to capitalize on any of that stuff because the quarterback's missing too many throws. Yeah, I Sunday was really hard for me, uh, not because the Bears lost a game, but because I really feel for the first time. Like Trubisky's done. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm same a hard, Hardcore Trubisky supporter. Everybody knows that. Um, I was hopeful that the Bears would draft him, and a lot of people are going to pile on this and say, "See, you didn't know what you're talking about," and and that's okay. I get it. We all miss, but nobody thought I missed during the Philadelphia game in the playoffs last year. Um, yeah, down the stretch, he improved uh, certainly through the middle of the season and definitely in the last quarter of the season. He looked tremendous in camp. He looked calm, composed. He was making the right choices. Uh, Physically, he looked very, very good. Everything was pointing up. Everybody had green arrows for Trubisky and saying year two of the system, Uh, you know, one more year being removed from not playing that much in college, Uh, you know, great production in key spots uh, during a huge game at the end of last year. There were just a lot of arrows pointing up for Trubisky. And then something happened. And I don't know what happened, and I don't really want to speculate because I, I don't know. You don't, you're not inside a guy's head. You're not in the locker room. You don't know. But he didn't play for the preseason because Nagy rests his starters. And really from the very first game, from the Green Bay game, he came out and he just didn't look right. Now, some people will point to the Washington game and say, oh, he was getting it right. Well, he looked better in the Washington game, but he certainly didn't look dominant. He looked okay. No. He looked competent which is a far cry from what he's looked just about every other week that he's played when he's been healthy um but this last week healthy or not he looked like he was moving pretty well he had good zip on the ball that was impressive i've had a similar injury and and i know how much it hurts but he had great velocity on the ball he just looked lost he looked scared he looked like he didn't know what he was doing and he didn't know how to find out and Matt Nagy's seen this for a while now. He's been scheming plays up that have gotten some running room, have gotten guys open. Um, Anthony Miller, famously this season, has been pretty wide open when he hasn't been running wrong routes. Um, the other guys are starting to see it too. And you can start to see the receivers quit a little bit because they just don't believe that Mitch can get it done. And for whatever reason, I'm here to say Mitch Trubisky in his current state which I believe is broken, and I don't know if that's mentally broken, physically broken, confidence broken, something broken, but he is broken. He does not look at all like the guy that we saw last year that was able to mount point-scoring, near-game-winning drives at the end of games. He can't even do the basics right now. He can't get the right read on an RPO. He can't hit a first read that's schemed open in the offense. That's that's high school stuff. and. Again, he looks completely different from the guy we saw last year. So at this point, I believe Trubisky is broken, and I don't know if there's a way back from that. They might be able to salvage something, but I don't believe they're going to be able to keep trotting him out there and say, this guy gives the best chance to win, because I just don't believe that's true. And I don't think anybody else believes it either, guys in the locker room or fans outside of it. So it leaves us in a really odd spot because the bears laid it all on the line for trubisky they brought in daniel as a person who wouldn't challenge that supremacy who knew the offense but 
let's be honest, is not a great player. He's not going to win a bunch of games for you. And uh, don't even get me started on Tyler Bray. We're not going to talk about the Tyler Bray experience. (laughs) So there's nothing in the cupboard. If Trubisky's not the guy, and we've just said, or I've just said that he's not the guy right now or really going forward, I don't see a path going forward. I don't know how you fix what's going on with Mitch. And he doesn't give the Bears the best chance to win. What do they do? What are their options? You know, it's just so funny. You look at Trubisky, and it's 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 the reads are wrong. But then you look at his mechanics, and he's not stepping the throws. He's he he's sidestepping on some of the throws he makes. And now now some quarterbacks can get away with that. They have the kind of arm talent where they can do that, where they don't have to be as precise as always. And you hear a lot of quarterback, you know, coaches. Some of them talk about. Even Coach Matt Nagy says that he's not concerned about the actual release. A lot of it's the footwork. If he's not, the bottom part's not right. The top part's not going to follow and be right as well. He just looks like a mess. It's it's strange. And and I heard a lot of theories floated about it's the injury. But you look at last year. You know he got hurt in the Minnesota game. He sat out. He came back against the Rams and he was really bad and rusty. But after that Rams game, he played the best football of his career. Yep. You know uh, uh, the 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 Packer game. That that second Packer game. I think he only had like like five incomplete passes. You know, he ran a really efficient brand of football. It wasn't eye popping. It wasn't you know Patrick Mahomes esque, but it was smart, efficient football. And the Bears were winning games with that. So, again, where is that guy? What's going on? It's mechanical. It's mental. It's you know maybe it is the injury. Who knows? But whatever it is, you know it's it's not there. And like you said, where did they go from here? You know, I I think Chase Daniels is going to get the first crack at it if you do have to sit down Trubisky because, like you said, Tyler Bray is not it. You know, there are some some lower-level guys out there with starting experience around the league that maybe the Bears come calling if, again, if he lays an egg against the Chargers, you have to go get a guy. You cannot take this team. This is your window. You're in it now with that defense. Khalil Mack, you can't waste a year of his prime. You know, stumbling on an offense. You got to get a guy that's a veteran and come in and play a little better than Chase Daniel does. But what do you do? You know, you can't. You don't have a lot of draft picks. Yeah, the options are tremendously limited. Uh, The Bears don't have a first round pick. They do have two second round picks. Um, And you know, pretty traditionally, if you're going to get a franchise passer, which is what they thought Trubisky was, you're going to get him in the top of the first round. Um, players yep. who have ascended to great heights in the NFL who are not in that draft range are few and far between. Don't come at me with Tom Brady from the sixth round because he's the only <laughs> one. Don't yeah. come at me with Russell Wilson because nobody, including the Seahawks, thought he was going to be that guy. He's another you know unicorn. It's yep. they, it, they can be found, but it is not typical, and you're going to find maybe one every 10 years. So putting that again, putting all your eggs in that basket as a franchise that's been constructed to win now and has a window, like you said, with Khalil Mack and a lot of other defensive starters, quite frankly, is not a great strategy. And neither, quite frankly, historically, is bringing in a guy midseason and asking him to pick up an offense and start. But my question is, would he be worse than Mitch is right now? And I have a hard time believing that some of the guys out there would meet that description. Um my personal favorite would be Josh Rosen because he was, again, was, and progression yeah. is not linear, uh, a top-round talent. 
he showed great sparks in Arizona, but was surrounded by a garbage team and his coaching didn't help him out very much at all. So that probably hurt his confidence. And then of course he gets traded to an even worse situation, which seemed impossible, but he goes to the dolphins who are outwardly trying to lose and get him beat up. He gets benched. So a lot of people are saying Rosen's trash. Well, again, Rosen has had better moments and would he be better with a team that was a trying to win and B had a lot more weapons than the dolphins. Is he going to be better immediately? He's not, but the fact that it's kind of a perfect storm, the dolphins are trying to lose. They don't even really care. They've said that somewhat openly. Even the owners said that they've just benched the guy. So he's not even starting for them. It's not a tremendous loss. If he leaves, you might get that guy for as low as a fourth round pick only because of those couple of things, not because he's worth that. I think he's worth more than that. And you know, quarterbacks prices are inflated in the NFL. I think normally he fetches a lot more than that, but if the bears could give up a fourth round pick and get a guy like Josh Rosen, he's got a lot more potential than most of the other names that get floated around out there. Um, the only other one I could think of, um, is Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor is not a long-term starter, but he is a guy that could come in is mobile, uh, is fairly accurate and could move this offense probably at a level, uh, reasonable enough for the defense to make some plays and for the bears to win some football games down the stretch. Other than that, you're looking at guys like Case Keenum and Colt McCoy and, uh, you know, Nick Foles to a point. Nick Foles' highs have been very high. Um, Jeff Burkus has talked a lot about that, but his lows have been eh, pretty darn average. So I don't think you go out and give up a lot for a guy like Foles. And, you know, Jacksonville still thinks they've probably got an asset there, whereas Miami's kind of completely written off Rosen. So it might be where they look, but I I think Ryan Pace is going to be stubborn about this. I just have a feeling he's going to ride this ship and make sure that everybody knows that Trubisky is dust so that nobody comes back and goes, well, you could have. And that unfortunately bodes really poorly for the franchise's chances for the, the rest of the season. Yeah. The only guy I see, and like I said, I'm not a fan of any of these options. I think Rosen's a good, a good, a good get. If you can get him. I don't think he's going to be available in the, in the season. I don't think the bears would do that. Um, I think you may get a guy like him after the season um, because you want a guy that can come in and step in and play as quick as possible. And that's why I think Foles is probably the only guy that makes the most sense here, even though, like I said, I am not a fan of going after Nick Foles. But from a from a, a, a scheme standpoint, he understands the scheme. He understands the terminology. He's been in it for such a long time. He's a guy that can probably come in and within a couple of weeks, you know, because I think right now he's still kind of rehabbing that injury anyway. So in a, in a few weeks while he's rehabbing the injury, he can probably get get up to see what the Bears want to do, and maybe give you a chance down the stretch. Maybe catch lightning in the bottle again, like he did, you know, when he took the Eagles to the to the championship. But again, I don't think any of these choices are going to work. I think we are stuck with Trubisky, and and hopefully he turns around. I have my doubts, but I think at this point, what are your options? Yeah, at this point, I really I've. I've gone from supporter and let's see, uh, Jeff and I, and and you even on the preview show, we talked about that, that this was really give him the season, see what happens, and we'll know after the season. Well, we gave him half the season, and I really don't think it's a hot take to say we know what's going on and this ain't it, and that that one hurts. So we'll leave that sit for a moment, let that sting. I'll I'll, uh, see if I can wash it away with some of this collaboration. We'll take a quick break for an ad, uh, and then we'll come back with our Chargers preview. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so out with the old and in with the new. Uh, got a brand new week, another Bears game coming up. Want, you typically want to be pretty excited about that. It's pretty tough after what we just talked about. Uh, but let's give you a little Chargers background. Uh, L.A. is 2-5, and five, currently last in their division, losers of their last three in a row. Uh, they come in on the road needing to get their own ship right. Uh, injuries have been a major problem, as always, for this franchise. I've talked about that. I went on a rant on the podcast a couple weeks ago about that. I heard that. Yeah. I heard that, that one. Uh, for another franchise that has uh, forlorn fans, just, just look to the chargers, man. They've, they've dealt with a lot, but, um, uh, in, in general, they're not doing great, but they have been able to score at least a little bit, um, 13, 17 and 20 points in the last three weeks. And normally that doesn't seem like enough to beat anybody in today's NFL, but right now the bears don't look to be able to score points on offense at all. So I think the chargers might be a little bit hopeful, even with those numbers, uh, overall the team, this is the chargers now for points. Uh, they're scoring 20 points a game. That's 24th in the NFL. Uh, they're racking up 367 yards. That's 14th right down the middle. Their pass yards, 293 per game. That's third in the league. So Phillip Rivers still airing it out, um, even without some of his top receiving targets. However, their rush yards, 74.3, 27th in the league. Um, not very good. So if the Bears' rush defense is going to get healthy against a team, seems like L.A. might be the one. Um, what have you seen from the Chargers so far this time, boss man? You know, they're struggling. I mean, you said it. They have a lot of injuries on that team right now, and, and that's that's a big reason why they're uh, doing as bad as they are. I think a lot of people you know, had them as their, as their, as their sneaky pick for the for the to, to take the west i mean you know this team was i think you know uh second only to chiefs last year and i think it was by a tie break thing you know that's a very talented team very good roster top to bottom but they've got so many injuries you know and then of course they had the, the, the big holdout with, with, the, with the tailback melvin gordon you know he you know you talk about how the bears may get lucky and catch them you know because they can't run the ball Maybe Melvin Gordon's not getting himself back into shape, and he's going to come out and just have a great game against the Bears. I hope it doesn't happen, but I mean that's possible. I mean he is a really talented runner. But then they have Austin Eckler. Um, you know he's not doing a lot on the ground, but he has I think uh, you know close to 50 catches right now at, 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 at that running back spot. So Philip Rivers will throw it all around the place, and um, you got to hope you can get to him and, and get him off his spot because he's one of these guys that will stand in the pocket. He wants to stand there and, and hope he has protection. That's what he wants to do, and he wants to just pick you apart. Yeah, Eckler's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Um, of course, Melvin Gordon could be getting up to speed, but Eckler's got uh, 69 rushing attempts for 248 yards, 3.6 a clip, which is nothing to write home about, three touchdowns. Then you look at his receiving statistics. He's got 49 catches for 488 yards. I was close. I said about 50. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. And 10 yards per reception and four touchdowns. So one more than he has rushing. He's seven total touchdowns. Um, If you look at his total stats, he's up over 700 yards, almost 750. Um, And his long for receiving is 55. So he can break one. He's been a 
a fun surprise uh, really for folks outside the LA market. Folks inside got to see what he could do a little bit last year and aren't that surprised. But Eckler's a name to keep in your sights that the Bears are going to have to contain. Not a statement I thought I'd be saying, but there you go. Um, they've got a lot of talent. Uh, Philip Rivers doing his thing year in and year out, but the Chargers never seem to be able to get over the hump. So what do you think three things the Bears need to do well to compete in this game? Um, we've talked a lot about the offense. Let's let's kind of start with the defense. What's one thing you think the defense has to do against L.A. to really keep this game uh, competitive? You know, I kind of touched on a little bit there, but, you know, they got to get after Phillip Rivers. You know, Khalil Mack, I think, has been held without a sack now for two games, uh, straight games. You know, if you're not getting the push up front, you know, the Bears got to get creative. You know, they got to get a creative way to get some pressure going here, whether that's doing some cross-dog blitzes, something with with uh, with, with Trevathan or, or – or, uh, 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 Roquan Smith, you got to you got to find some way to create some pressure up front because you can't let Phil Rivers just stand there. If you get a little pressure in his face, he has no outlets to go to. He's he's not going to run away from you. If you get him off his spot, kind of like the the Jared Goff defense that we saw the Bears do, you know, against the Rams, it's a similar player. Get him off his spot, you know, make him move. You know, you can't blitz him because he has that. You know, he's real smart with the ball in his hands, but you got to get to him creatively with four guys. And if you do that, I think you can you know, have a chance to win. I was really surprised actually, now that you talk about it, that the bears didn't dial up some extra, extra pressure against the saints, especially with safeties coming up the slot. When I watched the saints game, uh, the week before, um, that's one of the areas they're weak at is that slot right down the numbers. And I really thought that Pagano would have seen that and brought some pressure, whether it was rotating a linebacker over to the outside, almost a stunt to blitz from there bringing buster screen as the nickel or uh, you know we've seen bush blitz pretty effectively eddie jackson's a good blitzer there's just a lot of options and it seemed like they just consistently kind of rushed for and went really really straight for lack of a better term i don't think they can afford to do that against um la i think they're really going to need to bring some extra pressure and you know if they can get it with four great i would hope that mac has a better game um certainly Chargers can pass. Their passing rank says that their pass blocking is pretty good. But if they're not able to run, they're going to be forced into that pass, and that's going to be more opportunities. The Bears just have to make something of those opportunities once they get them. They can't give Rivers that four and five seconds that they gave Bridgewater. If they do, he's going to carve them up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is if the offense can't score, then you're not going to get them in a situation where they're forced to pass. So I think if the Bears, if they can't do anything on offense and, you know, the Chargers have, they have no reason to press. They know they're going to just, just casually run their offense. They're going to try and run the ball a little bit of Gordon. You know, they're going to do some play action stuff. You know, if you can hopefully force them in a situation where they have to pass the ball, um, which I'm not sure the Bears can do that because they're not scoring on anyone right now. <laughs> so it's just, uh, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, as much as I want to paint a reason why the Bears are going to win, I just I just can't see it happen. Yeah, it's it's really difficult when there's a failure that's so complete on one side that it really starts sapping the other side and you really get an appreciation for the fact that pro football is the ultimate team game and not just teams within teams like the offensive line is a team within a team working well together and the the rushing game is everybody holding their blocks, receivers and tight ends and everybody else just half a second longer so the the back gets sprung. Uh, but really when the offense fails so completely that the defense is getting tired, you start to see that 
you know, it's not just the teams within the teams, it's the two halves and one letting the other down can bring a whole team down. And it, it really is, it makes it very hard to pinpoint one thing or two things that the team can go out and do better and really turn things around. It's going to be everybody doing everything a little bit better. And to that point, the Bears uh, said they're going to call a players only meeting, no coaches, talk about uh, the thing that gets talked about in players-only meetings, which is accountability, and hey, they're not going to help us, so we're going to have to help ourselves. Everybody's got to do a little bit better. And probably the most surprising thing about this Bears team to me is is how everybody that was predicted to have star turns, kind of short of Allen Robinson and I, I would say Mac and Hicks, is just not playing at that level. Everybody was waiting for Roquan Smith to blow the doors off, and he kind of did in the first three weeks. Oh. And he's not playing like himself, even when he is back on the field and supposedly healthy. Um, Tariq Cohen has not been a factor at all. And last year, that guy looked unstoppable in camp. He looked untouchable, even against the Bears defense, which we know was one of the best uh, in the NFL coming into the year. He was absolutely running by guys. And we get to the season, and so many guys that were predicted to have sort of highlight style years are not even having average years and the sum total is the team isn't playing very well right now so i like the idea of getting to rivers i think stopping the run is important i don't think it will be that difficult i think the bears will be up to that challenge again uh, the chargers aren't blowing anybody's doors off they are on the road um, I don't know what the weather is predicted to be for the game, but it's probably a little bit colder than the Chargers might like. And again, they come in rushing for 74 yards a contest, 27th in the league. That's not exactly a formidable rushing attack to try and slow down. They do have some talent there, but really they're getting their yards out of the pass, whether it's passing to the running backs or passing to the wide receivers. So the Bears are going to need to come up with something because the corners didn't look great against the Saints either. We haven't really touched on that, um, but nah, they sure didn't um Amukamara particularly was playing well off and again he's against Michael Thomas a lot of the game Michael Thomas one of the best receivers in the NFL that's never going to be what I would call a straight or fair fight but uh against some very talented uh Chargers targets he's going to have to do a little bit better than he did or again Rivers is just going to sit back if he's not pressured and and pick him apart so I think the offense needs to come up with something I don't know what that answer is. I don't know if it's um, sitting Mitch down and and hoping that Chase can come up and hit those you know first schemed open reads or make the RPO call correctly. I think Nagy would probably call a lot less RPOs with with uh, Chase in the game, but yeah. they've got to be able to do something, even if it's not score points. They've got to be able to string a couple of series together to keep the defense off the field. If it's three and out all day long, the defense is going to tired out, get tired out, home or not, and they're just not going to be able to keep up with the Chargers' passing attack. So the offense has to support the defense here a little bit. That's one of our keys. Uh, pressure for Phillip Rivers. You got anything else that you really think they uh, need to do against the Chargers to win? As far as the Bears' defense? Uh, could be the Bears' defense, could be the Bears' offense. Your pick. At this point, I'm grasping for straws, yeah. so go ahead and fill in the blank. It's a free-from. You know, the Bears got to find a way to stop Joey Bosa. I mean, he's got five sacks on the year. You know, he is one of those guys that, you know, he can, you know, he, he's their, their top pass rusher, and, and the Bears have had, had a bit of a problem, you know, this year, um, whether he's coming against Master, coming against Leno. 
You know, I thought Leno played uh, his probably his best game of the year this last week. Uh, so we got to see him keep that up again. Uh, stop holding. He had no holding penalty. I think the Bears only had four flags on him. You know, against the uh, that was a plus. The Saints. So that's that's yeah. That that's a plus there. <laughs> you know, so I mean, there's just there's just ways that the Bears. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for ways. It's just it's just tough. You know, it's, it's these are two bad teams right now. Yep. You know, so you think that the Bears could have a bit of an edge, and I think the Bears are still favored by Vegas. They got them as still a six point, you know, a, a favorite here. So, yeah. you know, they must see something. But again, if Trubisky's not making the right plays, and you mentioned RPOs, you know, I think I am done with RPOs because Trubisky has not made the correct read in RPO this season that I can recall. Yep. Um, he's either he's either holding the ball and not doing what he has to do. He's putting his line in a bad situation where he, he had either has to eat the sack or just get rid of it or else it'll be a legal man downfield. So take the RPOs off the table. And how about we just call some straight run plays a little bit, run the ball, whether whether you, you have a lot of success on it or not. You know, sometimes you just got to pound the rock, you know, especially the guy like like uh, uh, Montgomery, you know, let him get some some lather up here. You know, let him get going a little bit. <laughs> Nothing else is working. You know, at this point, the whole offensive game plan is no identity. Nothing's working. And so why not do something and let's stick to the run? I think the, the Bears ran a little bit in their wins. If that tells you anything, it's not always successful, but it wears down a defense. It keeps the tempo on your side. You control the rhythm of the game by running the ball a little more. You know, bring bring the quarterback up to the line of scrimmage and do the, the Ellie Ram style. Sean McVay, keep the, 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 the coach in Trubisky's ear a little bit. Slow the game down. I hate to say it, but go like to some John Fox style of offense where you just want to control the tempo. Bears got to slow the game down. They do that. Maybe they got a chance to win. Yeah, and I'll go. I'll step in and play play JB for a second uh, in his absence. Big fan of play action, and if they are running the yeah. ball with straight run plays, they can still have dimension with their offense running what we'll call straight play action plays, not RPOs, but play action runs and passes. And that's going to give whoever's at quarterback half an extra second. Now that's been bad news for Trubisky. He's been much better in snap decisions than he has been when he has any kind of time, because as soon as he gets off that first read, which is, you know, past that two second mark, he's looked hopeless uh he hasn't been a threat to run he hasn't been decisive that way at this point i'd take even that so maybe if daniel's back there and they they commit to running the ball the run game's been a mess we haven't even talked about that we'll stay away from that for the moment but commit to running the ball pounding it a little bit favors their personnel a little bit they've got some maulers at at center and guard now coward in there um you know He's a bigger guy. He can play with power. Hopefully, he can push some folks off the ball. It might neutralize Bosa's pass rush a little bit if he's having to play the run. He can play the run. He's definitely good at it. He's a two-way defender. But yeah. guys get tired of playing the run, especially if they want sacks. They don't. They don't want to go up against offensive tackles all the time. Um, they'd much rather blow by him and try and hit the quarterback. Uh, so the bears could create a dimension there, but they have to commit and they can't get away from it after seven rushes. That's not, that's not going to do it. You're going to have to take some two and three yard runs here and not say, uh, if you're Matt Nagy, Oh, I could get more passing, right? Cause he can't get more passing right yeah. now either. No. The one thing I was encouraged by in the saints game that I'd like to see a little bit more of, but probably not as much as we saw, uh, in the saints game, because it seemed 
it almost seemed a little pedantic and almost seemed oversimplified was all the hooks, curls, and basic outs. Um, those are about the simplest routes that receivers can run. That's why you see a lot of high school offenses run those routes. But the Bears gained yards on those on first down. There was yeah. a lot of nice little square outs for five or six yards, couple of hooks in the interior right along the numbers of the hashes. Um, you know, again, guy gets five, maybe six yards on the catch. That's keeping the offense on schedule. You mix those in with some solid, fairly straight runs, and then occasionally mix in a true play action pass. I'm not sure that Trubisky can handle turning his back to the defense right now, but you know, give it a shot. Nothing else is working. I'm with you there. If they mix that correctly, I could see them scoring a few points on the Chargers defense because they're certainly not impenetrable. They're talented but not impenetrable. So it's going to take sticking to the run, um, pounding guys down and kind of playing playing for that fourth quarter and seeing if you can come out on top. Again, Pinero's been kicking pretty well ever since that pitch, pinch nerve. He could, you know, can they get over the top at home with a field goal? I would be thrilled if that was the case. And I certainly wasn't planning on saying that at the beginning of the season. But if uh, if the Bears can win one late against a struggling team in their home stadium with a kick, I'm I'm all for it. A win's a win at this point. You know, I want to touch on uh, the play action again real quick because I could I just know how people think, and I know when people are are, are listening to your to the show, they're going to say the Bears can't do play action because the Bears can't run. Mm. You know, it has been proven by by countless studies by people much smarter than me in football. You do not have to run the ball successfully to run play action successfully. It's all about the, a good fake. That's all it takes. Whether you're running the ball or not, it doesn't matter. Is there studies out there? I'm not going to Google them for you guys. Google them yourself. But I'm, trust me, you do not have to run the ball to run a play action pass. And, and this Bears team should do it. You know, I think it was in the Bears game. You know, they, they had a one man route. The Saints did. Uh, and they completed deep down the field. Sometimes you got to do that. You got to go max protect. You got to do a nice play action fake. And if your one guy's there, you hit him. If he's not, you can go out of bounds or you can try to run the ball. Or with, with, if with you're the, the Bears, you can throw it into triple coverage. <laughs> oh, they yeah, they yeah, had yeah, a one receiver happens. route, and he was triple covered, and Trubisky let it go anyways. <laughs> that was staggering. Um, yeah. That was real bad. What, 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 we're trying to find positives. Oh, oh, right. Hard, sorry, hard. sorry. I totally forgot. I got <laughs> off script there. Um, no, again, decisions have to be better all the way around. But uh, I think yeah. last week we saw his uh, naggy limiting decisions for Trubisky um, almost to the pat on the head level, which was really kind of disrespectful, but also appropriate because the bottom line is Mitch can't handle the, the simplest decision right now. So maybe do that uh, in a similar version, but um, with some different plays and stick to the run a little bit. Maybe that balance will will turn in their favor. I hope. And look, the defense has got to come to play too. They've got to, you know, they've got to catch the ball if it's thrown to them. Um, you know, get after the ball, get get punching, get knocking it out, do all those things that they did when they were happy go lucky in the first three games of the year when they were playing fired up with their hair on fire. And, you know, create some of those opportunities because, look, if they get a big turnover down in the in the Chargers end and the offense somehow manages to punch in a, a touchdown early in the game, the Chargers offense isn't scoring a ton. They're scoring some. But if the Bears offense actually scores and the defense is helping them do that, 
that could be enough for them to win. So the defense has yeah. to kind of make their own luck here. I realize that they know they're in for a long day and, and not probably going to get a lot of support from the offense. But, hey, why not go out there, hit a guy, try and knock the ball loose, see if we can get one of those Khalil Mack strip sacks that was happening with regularity through the first three or four weeks of the season. Any of those could turn the tide because, again, this is probably going to be a close, somewhat low-scoring affair, and one touchdown could tip it. So Bears defense needs to go out and kind of kind of make their own make their own reality here, and I, I hope to see it. Um, we haven't seen a lot, again, some of those defensive stars that we were counting on, the Eddie Jacksons of the world. We, we haven't seen them play at a very high level. Uh, maybe this is the week that they come out and undercut that pass, show that great anticipation, give the Bears an extra possession that, that turns into something decent. Even if it's a couple extra field goals, that could be the difference down the stretch. So anything else? You want to give us a report on that iced tea? Uh, I got to tell you right now, it's it's not bad. I, I always brew my own. Oh, there you I go. Easy, uh, I, 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 I get a tea bag. I, I boil the water and I do it myself because I find it's a little cheaper. And it always tastes a little better. So uh, this is this is quite the tasty beverage. Quite the tasty beverage. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, this collaboration ale uh, from Beer Week of 2019 is delightful. Um, I say that because it is kind of hard to figure out. It It is as described. It doesn't really adhere to a particular style. It's very drinkable. Uh, has a little bit of sweetness to it, but a good balanced uh, you know, beer flavor, a little bit of bite to it. But it stays away from my current nemesis, which is Citra Hops, which have found their way into everything and make most beers these days, especially IPAs, taste like grapefruit. And I just don't think beer should taste like grapefruit. And Citra is everywhere. And this does not. Uh, Citra is noticeably absent in the hops list here. It creates a nice, balanced, fairly easy drinking beer that's uh, got a lot of flavors and kind of dances around and feels like it's going to go one way and goes another. Um, just just a fun beer. I'm glad I grabbed it. Great name for this particular podcast, but uh, would certainly have it again. Um Probably won't be able to find it because it was a limited edition, but uh, always fun to try new stuff. So happy to bring it to the pod. In the meantime, you can find Lester's work at Windy City Gridiron. He is the editor-in-chief there, and as he said, writes a couple of articles every week. His 10 thoughts and sack watch are regulars and then belts out other good ideas as he has them. Uh, You can also find his podcast on our podcast channel. That's T-Formation Conversation. Uh, Jeff, even in absentia, is on Twitter, at Gridironborn. I'm sure he's got some time in airports where he can answer your questions. You can find me at the Draftsman FB. Uh, also on Twitter. Of course, you can follow our other great podcasts uh, with Bill Zimmerman and Robert K. Schmitz, also on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. And hopefully the Bears can muster up something against L.A., but either way, uh, keep the faith. It's all about supporting the beloved. And until then, go ahead and bear down.